0: this is Rachel McElroy. Boo, this is Griffin McElroy.
1: And this is wonderful.
0: Yeah, I did a, um, it's almost Halloween, so I guess I did a boo there as a, maybe I'm being like a spooky, like a scary ghost this time around, like a dead person who's still around but see-through, you know?
1: Should we agree that next week will be our Halloween episode?
0: What day is it today? I think next week will probably be our Halloween episode. That'll be the 25th, and we want to get in there before. People don't like Halloween episodes when it comes in after Halloween. Or
1: maybe we should do Monday the 30th. (laughs) That might make more sense.
0: This podcast comes out on Wednesdays.
1: You're correct.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What happened there?
1: I don't know what I was thinking.
0: Were you thinking that this was my brother, my brother and me? Maybe. Hop aboard. There's room on the broom. Which is a broom, another spooky Halloween thing. So uh, this is wonderful. It's a podcast where we talk about things that we are into, and we talk about things that you're into, things that we're excited about and enthusiastic about. And I think it's my turn to start.
1: I believe it is.
0: And I really am very excited to start with my first thing. Okay. Because I've never we haven't done one like this before. Okay. My first thing that I'm real into this week and every week of my life for the rest of my life is Rachel's chili. Oh. oh yeah. No, it's a lot of people. I think maybe had that reaction of like, oh, how sweet. Griffiths gonna we talk were about. We're
1: gonna save this kind of stuff for our Valentine's Day episode. No,
0: I mean, I feel no greater love for you than I do <laughs> when I eat this good, good chili. A lot of people are gonna hear this and say, ah. But I want to be entirely sort of academic about this. Okay. I want to be very scientific about this because it's the best fucking chili in the entire universe. Oh, Griffin. No, we can't do that every time. Scientific. (laughs) I'm not saying all these things about your, your just rambunctious chili. It gets in my mouth and it just plays around in there. I'm not talking about this so you boost your spirits up. Although if that happens, I'm psyched about it because I love making, (laughs) I love making you feel Um, like like you are treasured, because you are, because you're a treasure. Your chili is so fucking good, and I'm saying this as somebody who's not always been a chili fan. One time when I was a little boy, small boy, I went to my nanny's house, and she made me a plate of food, and on that plate was some beans, and I ate the beans. I threw up.
1: Oh, no. And
0: from that point, I told myself I was allergic to beans.
1: Oh, my gosh. This explains so much. So I just
0: would not eat beans for ever, which did not afford me many Chili-tunities. Mm-hmm. And that was especially heartbreaking because Huntington, where I grew up, had a number of food festivals, yeah. one of which was Chili Fest, where I think it's in August sometime, they like shut down 4th Avenue, and it's just like all these different places come and they have a Chili competition. Can I ask
1: you how old you were when this like Chili
0: eight, thing like happened? Like seven or eight. Oh my gosh. Uh, my dad judges the Chili competition, which is for me, hysterical and also sort of a sort of statement about the nature of man <laughs> and the way that he inevitably harms himself, um, because my daddy's tum tum is quite bad. Um, but I didn't participate in chili fest because I didn't like beans. There's beans all over the damn place. There was a restaurant. There was a restaurant in Huntington called Chili Willy's. And they had a cup of what they called Texas red chili, bean free. It had like venison in it. It was amazing. Place shut down. That was a big thing
1: college. with Texas chili is that typically there aren't beans there in are
0: it. There are no beans in it. Um, my mom made chili growing up, but for me it was, it always turned into a sort of bean excavation just a sort of bean collection. I would lay them out in even rows as I would dig them oh, out, and my leaving gosh. myself with sort of a, t- a tomato meat soup. Um, and then, you know, what else? I guess I lived in Cincinnati for a while, and Cincinnati, you got a lot going on. Loved living in you. Go Reds. Your chili is basically sort of cinnamon sweet spaghetti sauce, but keep keep at it. Keep. <laughs> um, Rachel's chili is like a sweater that you can eat and that you should <laughs> absolutely eat. It's a sweater you can and should eat. You eat it and you, it, there is nothing better on like a slightly cold day. Do they call it chili cuz if you eat it when it's chilly it feels like you're eating a big sweater that you should be wearing.
1: You know, that would be adorable if that were the reason. Um, I imagine a lot of it has to do with the ingredients, which include chili powder.
0: Oh, that's probably more what it is. Mm. Eating Rachel's hearty ass chili on a cold day is about the best thing that you can do with your body. I know you're asking me, Griffin, how's the spice? Terrible. Just kidding. Perfect. (laughs) It's extremely good. You don't want to eat, you don't want to tuck into a big bowl of this hearty, Hearty soup mess, and then your mouth is burning the whole time. No, because it's work eating a bunch of chili. Because it's a hearty, hearty food. You have to attack that motherfucker, but you can't do it if you're getting your mouth burned the whole time. So Rachel's chili doesn't come at you like that. It comes at you with a good savory flavor, with a little bit of spice on the back end that just keeps you coming back for more. It's not soup, because chili should not be soup. I've had a lot of chili where my friends like, "I made you chili," and I'm like, "Oh." I didn't know that I, we yeah, were this it's close, real soupy. and it's soup with beans. what you mean. It's a meat bean soup. Get this the fuck out of here. I've also had shit that's just a big pile of beans and meat that's kind of wet, and it's like you've done it wrong. Also, <laughs> Rachel's chili is hearty and savory, but it's also like creamy without cream in it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's luscious. Do you know what I mean? It all melds together into like, it's, it's, it's that perfect. It's a, a good chili is like a plasma almost. It oscillates between the solid and liquid mm-hmm. states. And that's what you bring to the table. Um, Can I talk a little bit about what's I want to know what your secret is okay. to your, to your chili. Cause every time you make it, it feels very experimental.
1: Yeah. It's a little different every time.
0: And I love that. Cause I never, I never know what to expect.
1: So the recipe is actually based on one that I got off of allrecipes.com. If you Google it, I believe it's called Laura's
0: Slow Cooker Chili. Rachel's Original Chili. Sorry. I just, I'm not going to pay attention to anything you say about uh, sourcing <laughs> this recipe. For me, it came from your heart and your brain. They got together for this hot collaboration. So
1: thank you, Laura, uh, wherever you may be, for inspiring this dish. Um, so... Gosh, I don't. I mean, so you you saute the meat. Fuck yeah! With well, some onions, we had
0: special meat this time that we got from a we farmer's did. market. We went they to were the farmer's market. They were very intense. Don't cook this above ninety degrees Fahrenheit because it's yeah. the, has a low fat melting point. We we're like, yeah. whoa, shit! Calm down. It's ground beef, mm-hmm. but they were right.
1: Uh, there's some kidney beans, some mm. black beans. What's
0: up? Is it got sauce? The tomato, like if you put a tomato sauce yeah, starter in so there. so then,
1: um, Laura's slow cooker recipe recommends, um, two cans of tomato soup. Laura. Yeah. So I use a small can of tomato sauce. Let's see,
0: that's how you make it your own.
1: And then here's the other interesting thing, and this is actually a recommendation on the website, so I can't even take credit for this either.
0: Take credit for it, please.
1: Use a uh, a can of diced tomatoes uh with some some like jalapeno peppers in there. Oh. so it's kind of like a can of Rotel. Basically. Yeah, sure. Um,
0: can't believe you came up with that on your own, baby. This is no, a good, that was that was. Can't a re- believe you came up with that on your own, okay. baby. With your- <laughs> listen, I'm talking about this on the podcast as advertising because I want it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move away from the mic so they can't hear me. I want to start selling your chili. Oh, okay. But if you keep se- don't, we're away from the mic so they can't hear oh, us. Um, I want to sell your chili. I want to mm. put you on every jug and vase of this chili. We're going to sell it in vases. And if you say that you got all the recipes and you stole them from a, an old woman named Laura, who you knocked over at a Walmart <laughs> and stole her recipe book out of her purse, they're not going to let us trademark it. So just be careful. Just be careful from them. Okay, okay. Let's get back into it.
1: Okay. Um, Gosh, yeah. And that's, I mean, that's honestly about <sighs> it. Put it in the slow cooker for all day, four to six hours.
0: I think there's um, just, I, I, I love your chili.
1: I like to add, sometimes I'll add some red pepper flakes mm. if I'm looking for some spice. Didn't, didn't this didn't time. Didn't do it this time. Um, salt, pepper, you know, gar- it. garlic.
0: I love your chili because, and because it feels good to eat it with my m- mouth. Um, but really like the, Excite- oh, and love, and, and the love,
1: and the secret ingredient is love.
0: Um, when you tell me at like 10 a.m. I'm gonna make chili for dinner tonight, I like get excited about the entire day that we're about to have, <laughs> and that's not a joke. I'm not being I'm not being like cutesy here. Like when you say at 10 a.m. like Hey, I think we got that ground beef from the farmers market. I think I'm gonna make chili tonight. I just think like one that's gonna be a good dinner and probably a good lunch the following day definitely a good lunch the following day if the if it survives the dinner but also the house is going to be filled with the most wonderful pungent meat stink that <laughs> is just going to be like so good and it, i don't know makes it i'm i we're deep in that season game now and it just feels so it feels i don't know it smells so good and it tastes, yeah, and i just I, look I forward know. to it so much
1: i don't know that i've ever made chili in the summertime for me it is God, an
0: exclusively no. fall winter food only drawback Perfect chili. Very profitable. Look for it in your Sam's clubs. Look for the jug and vase with Rachel's face on it. M-
1: Mama Rachel's. Good chili. Um, ch- I want some alliteration though, real bad, but like a ch sound, like a chunky, ch- chunky ch- cheerful, cheerful chili.
0: Cheerful chunks of chili. I <laughs> will sell them in little, we'll sell them in little, um, like bags, like they used to sell like school milk in.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say like squeeze pouches. Like oh, squeeze pouch of chili! I would
0: fucking destroy those. <laughs> uh, only drawback: I love okay. this chili, very profitable. Okay, is that it does give me toots that could shatter a car windshield. <laughs> it's the only problem if I'm in the car with all the windows rolled up, and then I could do a toot, and then just the, sort of the pressure displacement, all the wind glass in my car explodes. Which is problematic when I'm driving a daycare, because then the you know the baby seat mirror explodes, <laughs> and I can't see our baby while I'm driving anymore. Um, so that's that's obviously not ideal.
1: I have heard, and I don't know if it's true. I try to do it, but I have heard that if you rinse off the beans really well, you have less of an
0: issue in that area. They got fart particles on it. You're suggesting that when the beans grow up out of the ground from the good earth. That they have, they are coated in some sort of fart particle that they picked up. Um,
1: (laughs) well, and I've noticed this too. If you rinse a can of beans, like a lot of like bubbles will come up.
0: That's, and you're suggesting that's the fart particles that are just coming up off (laughs) the beans. I gotta be careful here because I gave you Guff. I gave you Guff on the last episode because I thought you were going to say the names of the different chemicals wrong or something. And people were like, wow, Rachel uh actually crushed it. So like, I'm looking forward to getting male. Into our PO box, PO box 66639, Austin, Texas, 78766. Just like, yeah, dude, fart particles, they're real. The the main matter states are neutron, positron, and fart particles. (laughs) What was the wrongest thing I just said?
1: (laughs) I'm sure we'll hear about it.
0: Um, do you want to tell me about your first great thing?
1: Yeah. And hey, thank you. I didn't, I didn't write down like anything about Griffin's great sauce in mine so i'm sorry about that it's
0: fine i just i ate your chili for dinner last night and lunch today and i just like i love eating it but i also love that like when it when i know that you're making it it, like my whole day is like (laughs) chili day it's like a little miniature holiday
1: um okay so i am going to talk about first
0: uh you're gonna say furs? (laughs) and i was like (laughs) whoa really Yeah, I've got some nice fox and mink.
1: Um, So this topic came to me. This is something I realized. Sometimes I'll think of a particular thing I like, and then I'll try and figure out why I like that thing, go a little deeper. And so I was thinking about the show My So-Called Life.
0: All right.
1: And I was thinking about how I like it so much. Okay. And then I started thinking about what are the things I like about it. And then I realized in general, I think I just like TV shows with narrators.
0: Okay. Because
1: I started looking into my so called life. Yeah. Which um Claire Danes plays Angela Chase. Angela Chase does a lot of narration very similar to the Wonder Years. Yeah, Wonder
0: Years is I think Which I also love. The goat is there a more is there a more famous show with narration than the like a more iconic narration show than the Wonder Years? No,
1: but listen listen to the other shows on this list. I can
0: think of a few off the top of my head.
1: Veronica Mars. Yeah. Scrubs.
0: For sure. That was one I was thinking of.
1: Arrested Development. Arrested
0: Development's a good one.
1: Um, and then some of the other shows, um, probably less exciting to you, but I realized also, um, Sex in the
0: City. Grey's Anatomy is like Jane all over Virgin. that shit. Yeah.
1: And Grey's Anatomy. And I realized I like all those shows.
0: I really like the episodes of Scrubs where, The point of view would change when characters would touch each Mm -hmm. other, and then they would be the narrator for a little bit. See,
1: I don't. I I honestly have not seen. Oh, I've seen all. I've seen all of it. But Um, it it led me, and maybe we can explore this together. Why do I like that so much?
0: Well, it's very literary, right? Like, if a book is written in first person, then you are essentially getting uh, Uh action and dialogue, but also the The narrator's thoughts, in, in from a first person perspective, right? Which is not something that you get usually from television without a narrator. And so it's like I I, I think it makes you feel a little bit more intimately connected yeah. with the character speaking, but also like the world that they are plugged into. Like in some ways, it's kind of a controlling element. It's kind of like the show,
1: the show's directors or writers saying like, "We are going to tell you what's really happening here."
0: Um, well, that's the inverse is like, sometimes it is also like, we can't, it's not enough for us to deliver sort of the the moral message of what this episode is trying to get across and just like the action and the dialogue that is happening. So we're literally going to have the main character of the show tell you, you know, sometimes I think it's more important to, to lie if it means protecting your friend's feelings. Like, yeah, I know. I just watched you fucking <laughs> lied to, to them. Yeah. Like, I get it. You didn't have to come in and then I'm no Superman. Like, <laughs> thanks Zach, but I I got the message.
1: yeah, it adds it adds kind of a comedic element a lot to the show, uh, like especially in the case of shows like Arrested Development and Scrubs like you mentioned. Um, and it also kind of adds this poignancy a lot like especially in the Wonder years because that's told from uh, Kevin Arnold as an adult. so you get a sense of kind of the significance of of what's happening. And, and yeah, it is, it's very literary too. You know, it's, it's very much like you're being told a story that's being acted out
0: in front I, of you. I honestly think the my favorite example of this, because it, uh, I don't know. I really liked, uh, how I met your mother, even though it did have a, an element of like, it was Bob Saget who was doing the narration and Bob Saget did not play the younger version of the character he was doing the voice of nor would it be like
1: well it's like Daniel Stern in the Wonder Years.
0: It 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 is I guess but it is also like Josh Josh Radner I think is the character's name who plays Ted on How I Met Your Mother and old old Ted is played by Bob Saget but Josh Radner's already sort of an older like he's a dude yeah. in like his 20s 30s And then Bob Saget is probably in his fifties. He probably just would have been him. I don't know why. I don't know why Bob Saget did the voice of old him. Because Bob Saget, when he was younger, I already know what he sounded like. Bob Saget from Full House. (laughs) Just (laughs) saying. I guess I need to circle back with Josh in like fifteen years and be like, "Talk for me, dude. You don't sound like Bob Saget." (laughs) Got you.
1: Um. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I thought about talking about all of these shows individually and maybe not.
0: What's your favorite of all of them?
1: Oh man. Probably my so-called life.
0: Really? More than wonder years.
1: Yeah. I almost, I almost talked about that because the show so uniquely captures kind of the teenage experience. You know, it's like, I don't know if you had a show like that when you were growing up, but for me, the, the voice for Angela Chase and the words they chose just felt like resonated so strongly with me. And I was just like, it's like, finally a show about the teen experience. Sure. Where I they're mean, like speaking to.
0: That is me. There isn't one of these that lasts longer than five years. Like no, that it's, it doesn't cover the, there is a, there is a, a, the reason that like the teen show market is so like saturated is just because like, once a show's a few years old, it doesn't work for, for me anymore. Me, yeah. like an actual teen, like in that shit. These things have a shelf life of no years. And so it's like, and that's why, I like. A lot of the greats get in, do they thing, get out. Mm-hmm. And if they stay a little bit too long, Dawson's Creek, then they start <laughs> to lose the plot maybe a little bit. Yeah. Maybe, the, yeah. maybe there's an episode where a character leans over to pick up an ice cream cone they dropped in the car and die <laughs> in an accident. Maybe there's a little bit of that that happens. To Dawson's Creek, not to name names, Dawson. Um, <laughs> but for me, I mean, like, as corny as it sounds, I, I probably like, the only one I really watched much of was The O.C., which, while not a representation of the glamorous lifestyle that I yeah. lived, uh, like, they talked kind of like how people I knew talked. And that was, like, my first, like, sort of experience I guess yeah. it would have been, what else for me, like Party of Five was on? Or da- probably Dawson's Creek was on while I was Well, I was going
1: to ask you if you felt that way about Boy Meets World, because I
0: know you're a oh, big fan. Oh, Well, yeah, but that was more sort of family-friendly sitcom-y. Friendly sitcom-y. Yeah. I guess the later episodes did, the later seasons got a little bit more hard. Yeah. But, I mean, fuck, yeah, probably. I mean, I watched every episode of that a few times, because we had the Disney Channel. Don't want to brag, but maybe I, it is like the OC, you know? We had the Disney Channel
1: We did not have the Disney Channel
0: I'm so sorry to hear that Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Orange County Cuss word (laughs) Character said Um, Do you want to steal me away? Now it's great as I can reverse that Right? And it'll sound like
1: and it says, uh, Paul is dead. Griffin? Yeah. You know it's a shame? What? Is that when you order, uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner.
0: That's true, because of the
1: law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? <laughs>
0: Not me, shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word, they say potatoes, but I said taters, precious, with mushroom (laughs) gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this, This menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So
1: head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off.
0: It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, There's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis website design Do you want to read the first Jumbotron message? Well, actually, before that, we should mention that Jumbotrons are about to go back on sale uh i believe november November
1: 1st 1st. at 11 a.m pacific
0: 11 a.m pacific uh so if you want to get a show a a, a jumbotron spot on the show i think they are selling through the first six months of 2018
1: and i think we're sold out for 2017 at this point
0: yeah they do sell kind of fast so if you do want to get a message on the show make sure that you you show up and you can go to maximumfund.org slash jumbotron for for more details and um yeah
1: okay this message is for becky it is from cassie and Lori. To our favorite female parent, although it's surprising to all of us, The Bachelor has become a delightful part of our lives, so we decided to celebrate you with a shout-out from your favorite podcast, from your best daughter's happy, probably late Mother's Day. Enjoy your last one before becoming a grandma. That's a late one. You're going to be the greatest. That's a late one.
0: That one outlived the original podcast, (laughs) but that's okay. We knew this would happen.
1: This is still your favorite podcast. Yeah, I hope so.
0: <laughs> I think it's I think it's really only gotten better, despite what those three negative iTunes reviews we've gotten that we just for some reason just can't stop focusing on <laughs> have said about the podcast. Um, uh, thank hey, you, thank you yeah, for listening at I, any point in history. And if you have stopped, say "Luffy."
1: Congratulations, Becky! You get to be a mother year round, so it is always a happy day. Yeah, for you.
0: every day should be Mother's Day. Is what I'm always saying. A lot of hot takes. Everyone I t- meet, I just say that to them. I got a message for Chris, and it's from Robin, who says, uh, The last year being married to you has been amazing. From having the best wedding ever to spending our honeymoon and now our first anniversary at the happiest places on earth. I'm glad you're my fam, my boo, and my bubs. I am in love with you. And I'm glad we're on this journey together. That was a. I, I first, I like couldn't not read that like Chris Harrison, which was challenging. <laughs> uh, thank you for being the world's most wonderful husband. That's a sweet, sweet message from Robin for Chris. Putting down a lot of stuff there about like best wedding, best husband. And it's like. I like,
1: like Bubs. I like Bubs as a nickname.
0: You. Can we talk about. Do I get to say.
1: Oh, no, I don't have to call you that. I'm just saying okay. from afar, I enjoy that.
0: Can I call other people bubs? Like I'm Wolverine? Like hey, you're bu- Wolverine? Hey, bubs. He calls people bub or bubs or bubby. I think he says bubby. Hey, bubby. Stink. And it's the claws sound. They say stink every time.
1: That's you know, me. when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and I was learning about the Jewish faith because of my heritage. Yeah. Uh, grandma and grandpa are uh, Bubby and Zadie.
0: I like that very, Yiddish. very much. Yeah. I think I learned that from Rugrats as I yeah. learned so many <laughs> Yiddish uh, turns of phrase. <laughs> Thank you, Rugrats.
1: <laughs> hey, you, with the headphones. Just between you and me, the Max Fun store just got some of that sweet, sweet new merchant stock. You know, that merch from your favorite Max Fun shows? Could be posters, tote bags, shirts, stickers, patches, aprons. We got it all. Well, we got a lot. Point is, there's some new stuff. Go to maxfunstore.com.
0: Do you want my second thing? Yes, please. My second thing is a board game, and you've played oh, it with me before. It's
1: not one I made, though, so I guess...
0: It's a board game Rachel made. You really
1: spoiled me with that
0: first one. It's a board game Rachel made called Dog <laughs> Beach. And the point of it is you have to get all the dogs on your beach. And you do this by drawing development cards... And it's a very complicated game. I'm you, very you look confused. at the box, you look at the box and it's got dogs playing on a beach and then it says by Rachel McElroy. I
1: don't remember making this game,
0: but then you open it up in the instruction book. is like 500 pages and there's like warlocks with subclasses. And it's like, w- w- I just wanted to play dog beach, but then all of a sudden you're rolling 15 sided die, which I didn't even know was a shape that was possible. And there's a whole faction system that's incredibly complicated. I don't understand it.
1: I'm making a very elaborate joke right now, and Rachel doesn't seem to be getting it at all.
0: <laughs> I hate playing in Griffin's space. I'm Rachel's brain. <laughs> Nothing makes me happier than watching him squirm in his space alone. Why I won't did you play call with it him.
1: Dog Beach. I was. So why f- did
0: you call it Dog Beach? The board game you made about <laughs> dogs playing on a beach, Rachel.
1: I was so fixated on that I couldn't even pay attention to all the other good goofwork you were doing.
0: I didn't name it Dog Beach. You called it Dog Beach. So let's mm-hmm. move on together and talk about Splendor. Okay. <laughs> Splendor is a very good board game. It is uh, by a company called Space Cowboys. Game came out in 2014. And it's kind of like my favorite type of board game, which is like the kind that is really quick to learn and pick up. But then every time you play it, there's like different, uh, there, there's variety from session to session and you can, you kind of have to use different strategies and react to sort of the the hand that that fate dealt you, and sort of to counter the strategies that your your opponents are using.
1: Well, and it's the kind of game too that the very first time you play. Like recently, we played it with a group of friends, and um, our friend who was completely new to the game ended up winning her very first time. Right.
0: Um, so, like this idea of like a game that's easy to what was it? There's that video the, the the board game Mastermind, where you had to put the pegs in, and then the other player would tell you like how many colors you got right and if they're in the right position. I think the tagline for that was easy to learn, difficult to master, or something like that. I'm sure every board game at some point has used that as their tagline. But I really like that. Like, Catan is like that. Like, Catan's not too hard to learn how to play, and then every time you play it, there are certain random elements where it's like, oh, it's different at this time. Uh, we like this game Machi Koro, that is kind of also a resource yeah. uh, gathering game. Um, but Splendor is like my favorite version of that. It falls into a genre called engine building, which is basically this idea of you creating strategies early on in the game to support big, big moves later on and building like a ladder to help you support those those moves. Um, so really quick, basically, the, the basic breakdown is um, every player on their turn can either sort of collect some gems from a pool. I think you're allowed to take like three gems. Um, or you can purchase a card, which will count as like a permanent gem in your collection. So that whenever you buy something in the future, if it costs like one ruby and you have one ruby card, then you don't have to spend anything. You just have this permanent thing. The idea is that you try to build a, basically a bank for yourself where you don't have to spend any money on cards. You can just pick them up for free because you have the, the costs covered by these permanent, uh, gems in your, in your collection. I hope that wasn't too complicated. Um, and then the, the, the cards come in different tiers and the higher ones have victory points on them. And once you collect a certain number, then, then you win. Um, and so the, the whole time you are building, you're like racing against your opponents to build these ladders, to help you build these big cards by investing in cheap stuff. That's going to help you buy more expensive stuff, which is going to help you buy more expensive stuff and so on and so on. Um, while also everybody else is competing and maybe somebody else is doing sort of the same ladder that you're doing and so you are comp- yeah. racing to get the the card before your opponent so gets it. So this is,
1: there's several levels to this game and I tend to play at a very base level where i play my own game where i'm just thinking about what i want to do and the points i want to get and how i want to get those points and then there's kind of the next tier up which is i believe the way griffin plays most games where he is trying to figure out what everybody else is doing and play a little defense and try and kind of yeah figure out okay if they're going for those cards then that's how i'm going to play my game so that it prevents them or gets ahead of them. Four
0: dimensional chess is what, what, what's great about Splendor is in addition to these sort of two basic moves of either collecting gems to buy stuff or buying stuff, um, there is a third thing you can do, which is reserving a card, which is like you take it off the table, um, and it doesn't count as a gem in your collection. Um, but you keep somebody else from buying it until you and you alone can buy it later on. So it kind of takes two turns to do, like, something that normally takes one, but if you can't afford it right now, but you want to make sure nobody else gets it, or you see somebody's, like, about to win on this turn, if they buy this card, you snatch it up and you keep them from doing it. And uh, you're kind of constantly choosing, you're constantly, like, prioritizing different things. Like, I love games like this where you have a starting point, and you see what the, the lay of the land is, and then you try to figure out what your end point is. And so you have your start point and your end point, and the whole game you are just trying to walk this tightrope between those two points and make it work. And I think Splendor is like a really, really brilliant like infinitely playable version of that game takes like 30 minutes to play also which hey board game oh. developers is the right amount of time that can people we talk
1: about the packaging
0: it's so good it's so like
1: all the little compartments for the cards and the gems
0: it just so but
1: they're rough. perfectly sized the
0: little gem tokens have some weight behind them which oh. like when you reach over to pick up some gemstones it's like mm, that feels good when There's, you
1: put away this game it is just always very satisfying because everything has a place and it looks like it did when you first First bought
0: it. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Super good. I think they they just announced an expansion to it in June. I don't know if it's out yet oh. or not. But I we've played a lot of Splendor this year. I think yeah. it is a a brilliant board game. It's uh, more often than not like if I know my friends are into it and they are over and want to play a board game, it's the one we reach for because it's we can play it a couple times there's no
1: actual board it's just cards and gems so you can spread it out anywhere
0: and i love board games i love super complicated board games and stuff but we don't play those we have uh, a wrapped copy of betrayal at house on the hill just because it's like oh it's going to be hard to onboard somebody onto that one splendor takes like a minute to teach somebody the Mm -hmm. rules and then you can just keep playing good job space cowboys is a very good game go go Mm -hmm. play it if you uh, it's won like all kinds of awards if you haven't played it i think it's great
1: quite as good as dog beach but dogs,
0: dog beach is a
1: second dog beach is a game that i made and forgot about and then couldn't remember anything about it until right. griffin reminded me and let me just tell you those dogs you want to get all of them on that beach
0: yeah one time i got close i was short one terrier Mm-hmm. And then but then they countered me on the next turn with a ultra cancel.
1: Well, and Terriers are worth a lot of points.
0: Terrier's are worth a hundred thousand points. And I don't know why the game works that way. It's sort of a golden snitch situation. Mm-hmm. And you just announced there's an expansion pack for Dog Beach coming out. And I was wondering if you could tell us the name of that.
1: <laughs> uh it's called Dog Palapa. Okay. Uh it focuses more on the city building aspect of Dog yeah. Beach. Uh, And so you start out with palapas, which, as we know um, from our previous television watching, are are very small enclosures on a beach setting. Yeah. Uh, But you build up from the palapa.
0: Okay, to like an empire, like a dog empire. Yeah,
1: to a dog dog empire.
0: No bones about it. This is a great game. And so that's the review (laughs) quote that you can use on the box. I just said it. You can attribute it to me.
1: Not to be confused with the television show Empire.
0: Not to be confused, which Rachel did make a board game adaptation of. That was critically acclaimed It won the boardies. Do you want to tell me about your second thing? Yes. This is going to be such a long episode because we've spent so much time on talking about Dog Beach, which is there's a lot to talk about. It's a complicated game.
1: Uh, My second thing is The Lazy Susan.
0: Get ready. Why that name? I hope you, the part of this is the etymology of... The name it, Lazy Susan.
1: I was hoping for that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the reason I came up with this topic... um,
0: You reached for Apple the other day, couldn't quite reach it, but then you spun that helpful (laughs) friend...
1: We we had a lazy Susan at my house growing up, which is kind of ridiculous because I'm an only child, so it was just me and my parents. There wasn't a lot of passing that needed to be done. Built-in
0: cabinet lazy Susan or like shell like top of the because we had a built-in cabinet lazy Susan and that shit was No, that's incredible. Yeah, it was so good.
1: Um so the Lazy Susan uh goes all the way back to the eighteenth century. Um but from what we can tell, it was not actually called the Lazy Susan back then. And when I say we, I mean other internet experts. <laughs> uh, it was called dumb waiter. Dumbwaiter. Dumbwaiter's a different thing. I know. I know. Here's the thing, though. Dumbwaiters used to describe anything that removed the need for wait staff.
0: This sucks. This is a <laughs> bad naming convention. You, you fucking dumbwaiter. You can't lift something up a tiny tiny shaft up to my attic what's wrong with you it
1: was not only revolving tabletops like the lazy susan but also uh the elevators that carry plates of food
0: why can't Um, it just be like efficient jeremy like oh yeah it would take a lot of energy for you to stand up and hand me the salt shaker and so you just spun this little turntable that's very efficient jeremy and not that's lazy susan or that's (laughs) you're being dumb waiter uh
1: so what we think of as a Lazy Susan didn't come around to the uh, 50s and 60s. And um, before that, the earliest print reference to a Lazy Susan was an ad in a Vanity Fair magazine from 1917,
0: uh, w- which... It almost... Certainly has to be somewhat hateful in the origins of the name, right? Like, yeah, is your...
1: Get it, ready, I've got text here. Oh, no, shoot. So it was $8.50, and the copy was an impossibly low wage for a good servant, and it refers to Lazy Susan as, quote, the cleverest waitress in the world.
0: Holy shit, guys. Yeah. It's a little disc. That you spin around on ball bearings or what have you, or as some sort of spindle. It's not a person, but even if it was, that's a horrible way to talk about them. Now I feel bad for this turntable. <laughs> I feel like the turntable's being taken advantage of in some way.
1: Uh so another another popularization occurred, uh, as I mentioned in the fifties, uh, at Chinese food restaurants.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So, um, with the popularization of Chinese food, which happened in San Francisco's Chinatown, uh, there were a new uh, group of entrepreneurial restaurant owners who took the small amount of space they had been given for these restaurants mm. and used the lazy Susan as kind of an innovation to get various dishes and sauces to a uh, around the table. I'm so, into that. Good yeah. thinking,
0: clever stuff. Yeah. I just want to take—I love a Lazy Susan. I'm right there with you. Whenever I see one, unless—unless— Unless? Unless. If it's one of those deals where it is, like, fucking a fucking gigantic glass disc, where if you put any amount of pressure on it, it starts to wobble, like it's gonna Mm -hmm. slide off and cut you in half. A thing I think about basically constantly. (laughs) No, thanks. That kind. That kind of. I need it to be structurally sound, a structurally sound lazy susan, not some flimsy mm. glass on like a tiny, tiny, tiny little spindle. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put this big bowl of beans on it to poison Griffin because he's allergic later, and then like it falls, <laughs> it doesn't spin anymore.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think as a kid, anything that spun at the dinner table was an exciting thing. Yeah. Um, but also, it's nice. Um, if you want to kind of forgo the formality of saying, uh, excuse me, will you please pass me the ketchup? Cause you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't like to, well, one, I didn't like ketchup Talk as a kid. to your parents when you were <laughs> eating with, them? I don't understand. <laughs> no, I just, you know, I, it didn't want to go through the hassle of, of interrupting someone else's meal to get what I needed. I, I just wanted to reach for the, the disc and, and serve myself.
0: Helpful disc. I love it. I love a lazy Susan. We just need a better name for it because mm-hmm. I, I genuinely feel uncomfortable saying lazy Susan. I want to say like help, helpful, help, like food friend. There's like infinite spin pal, mm-hmm. a, a dish uh, dancer, dish dancer is so oh, good. That's nice. There's literally anything, but the fuckers in the fifties were like, I want to call something lazy Susan. That. Like, I just hate Susan so much. I'm going to call this dish dancer a lazy Susan. I've got, to catch I'm, on.
1: I'm coming up with a jingle right now in my head.
0: For the disc dancer? Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Uh, spin me salt to dish a dancer. <laughs> Help me season There's my... So so go, 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 go.
0: <laughs> Help me season my what? <laughs>
1: Help me season my meal today.
0: Sort of a, it's a sort of a minor key funeral verge <laughs> version of a disco dancer.
1: Get me soy sauce and lanolin.
0: Lanolin is in on the table. <laughs> I don't know. What's the final? <laughs> you,
1: you had a busy day today. <laughs> that one still works. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so The Lazy Susan, uh, there's was, there was a lot of scuttlebutt on the internet about it starting with Thomas Edison or Thomas Jefferson. No,
0: I don't listen to
1: And, that. and in reference specifically to one of their lazy daughters, but that's not true. Nobody has agreed to that. I looked at uh, some articles from like Smithsonian Magazine and nobody
0: can pull it back to them lanolin is wool wax or wool grease okay the a wax reason, secreted nope. by the sebaceous glands <laughs> of wool bearing <laughs> animals i'm curious why don't that's look at the, that
1: up look up the lyrics to tiny answer because i thought
0: sheets of linen oh he doesn't say sheets of lanolin <laughs> lay me down in waxy lamb sheets <laughs> i, was I thought- like to be a sticky boy what are you saying? Wax me was... up, my sticky lady. <laughs> I always thought
1: it was sheets of lanolin. You cover me in sheets of wool wax? <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> now the, you... uh, this is actually, this is another funny. <laughs> Another funny thing.
0: <laughs> all of the, all, everything Rachel said in the past 10 minutes has been her <laughs> pretending to do narration for me. So it was me who thought all of these things no. like that Elton John was singing about sheets of lanolin this that is, he wants to is be. This is a
1: piece of, uh, of lore in my family. Um, I am notorious for misinterpreting song lyrics. And my mom told me that, um, you know, that song Zippity Doo Yeah. Instead of Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder, I used to think it was Mr. Beanbag on my shoulder, which doesn't make any sense.
0: (laughs) It's better, though. (laughs) Uh, So is that it? You want to talk about some submissions from our listeners? Yes, please. Please. I'm so glad I fact-checked Lanolin, because I wasn't 100% <laughs> sure I knew what it was. And I, if I hadn't, we would have gotten a lot of con- no, very, very I confused. I it. was pulling an original Tiny Dancer lyric. Um, so here's one from Josh G, who says, I've been really digging on the band Wolfpack lately. Have we talked about Wolfpeck? Wolfpack?
1: We haven't.
0: I don't think so. Uh, Particularly their bassist, Joe Dart. Look him up if you haven't. He's extremely talented. But the thing that makes me happy about this band is that a lot of their stuff is pretty bass-driven, and the fans know that. During live shows, people get really pumped about Joe and his incredible playing, and as a bassist myself, it's always heartwarming to see a frequently overlooked part of the band get the enthusiasm it deserves. Wolfpack fucking rules. Joe Dart fucking rules. Griffin
1: has gotten multiple members of the McElroy family into this band.
0: Yes, and just an- anybody on the street. Um yeah. Animal Spirits is extremely good. Back Pockets, very, very good. They have a bunch of really, really good jams. I also love bass. I also didn't appreciate bass in songs until I got Rock Band. And then whenever you're playing Rock Band, you usually want to be playing guitar or drums or singing. And so every time you get stuck on bass, it's like, ugh. Bass, it's usually the most boring part of the song. Until you play a song with the freshest fucking bass line. Like, let me hit you with this big surprise. You Oughta to know by Alanis Morissette has the freshest fucking bass line ever. I remember the first time I played on a rock band, I was like, oh, I guess I have to play bass on You Oughta to Know. No, it's extremely, extremely mm. good. Next time you listen, listen for that bass yeah, line. I don't it's, it's, notice it's all it. over the place. Uh, here's one from Madison who says, uh, just wanted to take a moment to talk about theme parks, specifically Harry Potter world and how crazy it is to me that places like Harry Potter world and other magical theme parks like Disney world are all because a person was sitting there and came up with a world. Everything down to the smallest detail is because J.K. Rowling is a magical genius, and now I, and so many of my fellow theme park nerds, can enjoy uh, this amazing creativity. And I find that wonderful.
1: Are you, this is where you're announcing the Adventure Zone theme park?
0: The Adventure Zone Zone theme park. Is, no, I, no, I think that I that would love. would be cool, though, right? I, it would be pretty cool. I love theme parks, but I had never really thought of it this way. Of just like, you walk through Harry Potter World, and what if you're J.K. Rowling, and you walk through there, and you're like, oh, yeah, all of this shit is here, because I thought of it with my Fucking brain What's up
1: Yeah Or the Jurassic Park ride Yeah like, Michael Crichton
0: Yeah Michael Crichton Just having fun With his, 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 his friends his, I made that up That's a T-Rex Michael You didn't I invented him
1: mm-hmm. Or um, The Garfield ride
0: The Garfield ride Jim Davis goes on that And he's like
1: you, <laughs> Where you Shoot down Through a pan of lasagna
0: Yeah um, and you shoot terrorists <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why they went in that direction with it. While well, Jim Davis loves his country,
1: mm-hmm.
0: hates Mondays. Uh, here's a one from Andy who says, I've been so happy watching the new season of The Good Place on NBC. This is a show from many of the same creative minds behind Parks and Recreation, so if you're not watching it, I feel comfortable in saying it's up your alley. It's got Kristen Bell and Ted Danson to start, and a host of others that I wasn't familiar with before this show, but they tell so many great jokes every episode. The Good Place is a very, very good television show. Yeah. I bounced off of it the first time I tried to watch it. Cause the first like four episodes, I was like, okay, I kind of get it. Nah, it goes some places. And yeah. it goes, it, it, in the second season, uh, it's, it has some of the most like ingenious premises for a, a, a television show where every episode you're like, oh, well, that's the end of the show, right? Like every episode kind of feels like a series finale a little bit. It's very impressive. Uh, One last one is from Kyle. This is something y'all might be familiar with around Texas. The Polyphonic Spree. The choral and symphonic rock sounds of this band set my mind right every time I listen to them. Their last album, Yes, It's True, is a great example of a fall album that I think is just wonderful. I also kind of associate them with fall. I'm not entirely sure why.
1: That's interesting. I think of them as more of a summer band.
0: They definitely have some summery, summery tones. Um, But yeah, I, I've been a big fan of Polyphonic Spree for, for quite some time. And they are a Texas... We went to see them once, and it was kind of uncomfortable because Tim DeLotter was very angry at the audience because we didn't know the lyrics to some. It was it was a uh, Nirvana. He got he got angry at both things. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was a strange vibe for the show, but yeah, he did. Uh, we were list, just... he did Lithium, and he would like, oh man, it was so rough. I don't I I don't want to harsh the vibe because I do love this band, but he'd be like, I'm so happy. And he'd stick the mic out to the crowd and people would be like He's like, Really? <laughs> he got like he got kinda of pissed off. It, it was, was a
1: very intimate venue and it was one of those venues where you get kind of nervous uh looking directly at anyone in the band because, we were we
0: were front row center also. Yeah, you
1: could very easily make eye contact.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was rough. But a great band. Uh, Saint, incredible band. St. Vincent got her start in that band. I think still plays with them sometimes. Um, you've probably heard Night and Day, which is their... Light and Day, I should say, which has been a bunch of commercials, an episode of Scrubs. This is our Scrubs episode. Um, yeah. Thank you all for listening to Wonderful. Um, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay, uh, which you can find a link to that in the, uh, description of this episode. Thanks to Maximum Fun for having us. Uh, what are some great Maximum Fun shows that friends can find at MaximumFun.org?
1: uh new one heat rocks
0: heat rocks
1: uh if you like podcasts where people talk about things they're excited about heat rocks is a great opportunity exclusively about music but they bring in cool guests to talk about their favorite songs yeah. and albums and it's a it's a treat it's a cool new thing
0: uh if you want to hear other uh, stuff and videos that we do you can go to macroy com. you can find a purchase link for dog beach on there um <laughs> it's 199 dollars there's so many pieces, of big fucking box. Well, wow,
1: but then you get the uh, commemorative backpack uh, that holds the game and uh, the four uh, commemorative dogs.
0: Oh, there's dogs in the backpack.
1: Well, there's there's large dogs. They're like
0: you shouldn't put dogs in backpack, baby. They're
1: like they're like life size dogs that come with
0: the. Are they alive? Are they real dogs?
1: No. <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> no to which question because <laughs> I asked you two questions and depending on which one no is assigned to is going to change sort of the mood in the room and the listenership they're not and... real dogs. Okay.
1: They're like they're like toy dogs that you might display in your office, let's say. Cool. One is the terrier. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Aren't you glad I called it Dog Beach now? We got so much. So much. We're so glad that you called it Dog Beach. Yeah. Whatever. The facade is broken. Thanks for listening. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor.
1: Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge
0: John Hodgman ruled in my
1: favor.
0: I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real
1: people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong.
0: Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time.
1: Instead of cutting his own hair with a flowbie, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group.
0: And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman.